Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for 10 years. After all of this, and Kerry may get the ball back. They do. Tomas O'Shea has it. Sensational All Ireland final. Inside to Darrell Shea. This time, various things are happening off the ball. Let's continue with watching what's happening. Mike Frank Russell into space. Nobody there for him. Colin Cooper was taken out of the action there. As I saw it, the referee's whistle sounds. It's all over. And Tyrone have won the Ireland. Absolutely sensational performance by Tyrone. They've won by three points. They had so many heroes. And after ten matches in the 2005 Championship, they have come and they have beaten the champions of last year. There's only one place to start, uh, Conan, with this one. This was an absolutely brilliant game. Um, beautiful sunshine. All-Ireland final is the goal just before half-time because this really gave Tyrone the it gave Tyrone the gap that they deserved. There's no point in saying anything else. And that they never lost. Um, it was a long ball by William Kirby and we're going to get to this in part two about Kerry's persistence on just giving aimless ball into a two-man full forward line but it was a Kirby long ball just just after a Darrow Shea equally terrible ball in and it was won by Tyrone and they worked the ball up to the field and it got to Philip Jordan who wouldn't be known for giving balls like this but saw Owen Mulligan on the edge of the square and an absolutely brilliant well very very high ball but Muggs is pretty decent in the air when he's facing a ball like that. He's strong and he catches it. Paul Galvin's marking Muggsy. Yep. How did that happen? <laughs> then you look off the screen slightly and Canavan has read this and is peeling off and Seamus Minehan's asleep and has completely left uh, Peter Canavan away from him. He, he gets the, the slip pass and he just clips the outside of the ball. I'm not sure how Martin Carney described it, but it was, uh, I don't know. In a, his, pe- a pebble? I don't know what he called it. Yeah, yeah. He actually called, uh, 
what did he call he called the Gooch and McManaman the Wasp and the Imp yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way he that's the way he used to do it. but that was it um, an unbelievable goal and then it was followed up by Brian McGuigan point and now Tyrone are four four up and mm. it probably was no less than they deserved and like the big difference you're talking about Kirby and Rishi playing it and Phil Jordan it was a pass from the wing well, he saw it, it yeah. yeah it was he one on this. one inside and yeah as you said it was Galvin and like I'm sure you've been there in that situation before where suddenly you've ended up marking a real danger man that's what you get back. for dropping back yeah, yeah and you're like oh Christ I hope nobody notices this like, <laughs> and usually you get away with it but you're thinking if somebody plays this in I am in big trouble here yeah and that's what happens it's very good thinking from Jordan to do it because it's not he's a runner you know, it wasn't his, that wasn't really his game to be doing stuff like that. So it was incredible for him to compute this under that pressure and say, Jesus, here, look, actually, I might try launch one in there. Yeah. So no under McGuinness, Donegal would launch the odd long one <laughs> yeah. like that, you know, because obviously of, uh, of retreating players and stuff like that. Mickey Hart said a few things after the match. He says, people talk about the way football's going. That was some game of football out there or that was some football <laughs> out there. And like I was just thinking back to 2005, I watched that game and it was absolutely brilliant. And the semi-final against Armagh was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And Kerry hammered Cork in the semi-final. Dublin, Tyrone was in. Dublin, yeah, Tyrone was one? in. Now, is this Mickey Hart having a chip on his shoulder, which we know he's <laughs> capable of? But surely no one was giving out about football back in 2005, <laughs> the way it's going. What I, was wrong with it? I it was, was just going to say to you, just to top of the show, because you were saying, like, what a brilliant game. And I was like, and you've been telling me football's bad. Like, here we go, look at it. But, um... Yeah, it was unreal. unreal. Like, uh, remember the Arma, the Ulster final at Crew Park, the first game. Yeah, that was a real classic as well. Like, yeah, I went to replay, which was a bit more boring, but um, like that was an amazing summer for football. And like, yeah, Mickey Hart's right, Willie. I th- the naysayers are wrong. I think it was the, the like the 2003 puke football that Pat Spillane labelled it, but there was nothing puke about this. And the, like Tyrone's, obviously their work rate was unparalleled back then, and they made it so difficult for other teams. Their their forwards were just so so good at tackling and were so willing to work that the other team just could they just couldn't breed. They couldn't breed yeah. sufficiently to start playing football. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And they they used like their assets. They did like yes, they worked hard. They got around. People. People, they were really intense, but they scored one sixteen in that final, and like one fifteen was from the six starting forwards. Like all six of them scored, and like Philip Jordan scored a screamer at the very end. At the end, well. yeah, but yeah. Like it was, they were using their forwards to to do the damage. Yeah, no, he definitely did. Mickey Hart also said after the game, he says when Cormac McAllen was made captain of our team, he said he didn't want to leave it. Um, with just one All-Ireland and he hasn't and then he broke down crying which is an incredible moment Marty Morrissey back then was a sideline reporter Yeah, um, we all start out on the sideline uh, <laughs> Marty now look where he is um, so yeah interestingly enough so Cavan scores that Canavan scores that unbelievable goal just before half time and then he doesn't come out in the second half which a massive massive call he's 34 he's not that old now like I mean now another part of me thinks they had to make a change in midfield because Tyrone were getting eaten in mm. midfield and they got on Collie Holmes and they took Canavan off Enda McGinley went into the corner and then Canavan comes back on after 54 minutes scores one of the best points you'll ever see in Croke Park on the 58 minute and then wins a free one of the softest frees you'll ever see in Croke Park on the 61st minute where he picked the clean up off the ground and then fell over yeah. and uh, got a free for it but like I mean that's you don't see a lot of the, the football in the modern game now is if you're 34 you're getting the last 20 minutes 
what's wrong with starting the game and setting the tone? Maybe there's a science to say that this is actually silly. Although the the, the sin bin is making players go off and rest and come back on. But like, I mean, what's wrong with starting 20 minutes and finishing 20 minutes? Or, you know, starting a half an hour, finishing 15 minutes? Yeah, because like, would you rather like would you rather him play 15 minutes and come off at the time where it's all heating when up? When you need him, yeah. Or have him fresh when you need him? And that's it. Like, he got the point uh, straight after the goal. Tomas O'Shea rattled the net and Kerry's backs were up. They were all buzzing. And then Peter Canavan curled this one over from about, what, nine yards out? That, that, that sort of Beautiful, angle. Beautiful, yeah. Unbelievable. And... Nobody else, I'm sure actually that's their own forward line, because you know what else could do that, but like that was real inspirational. And, and if they had just brought him off after 50 minutes because his legs had given way, sure, what's good's that? Then yeah. you have Enda McGinley up there, who's a good player, but a different player. Yeah, and then, well, Enda wasn't really in it in, in, the, in the second half, to be fair. It was a weird situation towards the end where Mike Frank Russell had a free in the 71st minute, <clears throat> and there was three points in it. And... Uh, I don't know, he's on the 21 metre line and it looks to me like he's lobbing it into the square and there's no Kerry, there's four yeah. Kerry men and no, or four Tyrone men and no Kerry men unless the Kerry players uh, misread what Mike Frank wanted or else Mike Frank completely mis, mis hit this free and didn't lob it into the square, went for a point or something. It was a, it was a very strange situation. Tyrone then catched that ball, burst out, the crowd go mad and I was like, God, Kerry, you've really shot yourselves. In yeah. the, look, to be honest, Kerry didn't really look like they were going to be getting a goal at that point but still, it, I just thought it was a bit of a weird one. Then four minutes was called on the, on the commentary of extra time and the referee played three. <laughs> now again, that minute wouldn't have made anything or else they could have got it wrong. Didn't look like Kerry were getting back into that game. Maybe there was a sub in injury time and then we didn't add it on and then it should be a shot clock <laughs> in injury time. But yeah, like the Mike Frank Russell thing, he's he's actually looking for a, for a, a ball inside, I think. And then when, when the camera pans away and it looks like he's shooting, but it drops so far short. I don't think, I don't think he didn't mean to do that. But then, as you said, there's all these Tyrone players around. But then Kerry had kicked about 20 balls like that into the area anyway and didn't really care who was around. So yeah. I think he was just dropping it in, see what would happen. Just dropping it in, yeah. And there was no communication because the other lads were just sitting there, standing there waiting for him to tap it over the bar. Maybe maybe that was it. But come here, we want to leave it there because Brian McGuigan has joined us on the line now for a chat about this match. Brian, how's it going? All good, boys. All good. And no, you had no prompts from you to start with the 2005 All Ireland, where you beat a, beat a brilliant Kerry team and you scored three points from play. <laughs> yeah, that that didn't happen too much in my my own career, really. But uh, look, it was one of those days where where everything went, went right for me. Uh, don't forget, I started that year. I I had went to Australia. Um, I think it was that start of January that year, and my intentions were. To go for a year because I just felt I needed I needed a break at that time. It was just after the, the passing of of Conrad McAnally the year before. I just said, look, I want to go and do things that I said I would do. And obviously, you missed you missed the football, but the intentions were in January to go away for the full year. Me, me and my my future wife went at that time, and uh, I did keep in contact with, with Mickey over the, the January February March period, and and I kept myself in good enough good enough Mick that I could come back and, and play and it was decided then I would come back after the fourth round against Down down that year um, I missed that game but then I come back the following following week and don't get me wrong yes it, it took me a while to get back in the swing of things you think you're okay fitness wise and, and you're touching all but you do need those games at that level especially come back in the play at county level it's a much higher standard than club club football but I felt it was in good enough shape but it did take me a few matches to get back but when I come back it definitely the break had done me a world of good and I just felt so good and 
that period leading up to All Ireland final um, of 05, I probably was playing the best football in my career, and I felt in every game that that I could get the better of my opponent, and and you just felt so good. But in that final, you know, like I I was playing the position that it was a playmaker, but don't forget I was playing with maybe four of the best players, best forwards that we ever had with Peter. Owen Mulligan, Stephen O'Neill, Brand de Herlich. So to be a playmaker in that team, it was so easy because they were making the right the right moves for me, and it was just a matter of me finding them because they were taking up good positions. But uh, we we worked up against a really really good Kerry team, Kerry team who were who a lot of those players were were in their prime too. So we had to be on top of our game that day too. Yeah, exactly. You might not remember, but I played against you in Australia. I wouldn't say you were in great shape out there. I would have ah. said I, w- I, I would have said average <laughs> shape now at best. Ah, ah, well, look, a couple of months before I came home, I, re- I realised I had a knuckle down at the earlier part <laughs> of that of that holiday. Now I definitely enjoyed myself, but. Uh, the, the, the most important thing was at that time, as I say, especially after the Cormac, the whole thing about Cormac was getting a break, a clean break from it. And I come back, I come back probably looking forward to football more than the people that were playing back at, back at home in the own team. So, yeah. like, I was really ready for it by the time the summer, summer come. Yeah, exactly. Come here, I was watched the, the game back this morning, and outside of the 15 minutes, it was a convincing win for Tyrone, if we're being blunt about it. Yeah, well, I think it was who got the goal. Was it Tomas Shea got the goal in the second half? Yeah, to get, got it back uh, to exactly. one. That, that that really that probably was kept them in at that time. But we had missed a, a few chances before that to really put them out of sight. Um, myself personally, I know if you uh, you know watching it back, the first five minutes, uh, five ten minutes, I had a real bad first five or ten minutes. But the game, I finished up playing playing in um, like. Uh, the first three touches I got, the first one, uh, the ball came into me and Mark O'Shea, and I think he he beat me to the ball, came out with it. The second one, uh, you were you were through on goal in the first minute, and you were dispossessed. Yeah, wasn't oh, yes, yes. Uh, the first touch I got, I was through. I took a solo, lost control of it, and the ball came out. The second one, Mark O'Shea, me and him went for the ball. He won it, and the third one, I think it was through and goal, went for a goal. And, and and put it wide where I probably should have squared the ball across to one Mulligan who was in a better position and that that was my first five or ten minutes like but then after it just everything just seemed to seemed to click in the gear and and no no matter what you done it, it seemed to go right so you get this like that but I think to do it on all Ireland final made it made it extra, extra special because like I think I started off started off with Mark O'Shea maybe finishing Tomas O'Shea that they heard two. On on the footballers like so. Well, that, that was it. Um, but I I I I think actually going into that game, the fact that we were playing our forward line consisted of Deher, Mulligan, Cannon, Stephen O'Neill. I, I don't know what Cherry's thinking were behind, but they maybe focused those four and me and Ryan Mallon came in kind of under the radar that day. And if you mind, Ryan Mallon had a really really good game that day too. Yeah, you were on so, the two. You were on the two O'Shea's. Mark O'Shea, man, Mark too. But like Mark O'Shea would have been young uh, back in those days. He, he he was on you. And then when Dewar started cleaning out Minahan, he went over on Dewar. And I think that's when you started coming into the game a bit more, was it? I uh, that's what I mean. They, they maybe took their eye off me, me a wee bit, and uh, I enjoyed the free, the, free, the freedom of it. Where you know, if you look at today's game, where I was playing that day, you kind of their forwards kind of hold their positions. Right across that forty-five yard line, like there was a lot of space for me to to work in, and 
the sound, that, that was the theme of the centre half backs were kind of holding the positions. And I also mind that year where I was the few times of Mark Kieran McGinney too, and he really was a man that, that held the position and kind of forgot about the, the boy he was marking, which left me a lo- loads of space to to work in. And I was just getting I, every time any of our defence in between get the ball, I seemed to be free, and because my man wasn't marking me, he was holding the centre and. Uh, and I just love love space, which is probably why I wouldn't like to play these games. That's the way I would have played it if yeah. it might suit me. I saw, but I that day just there seemed to be a lot of a lot of a lot of space for me to work in. It did, yeah. And you got you got a brilliant point on twenty five minutes. I was reminded of it on Twitter. There, um, someone was telling me it's on the twenty fifth minute. Both Minahan and Galvin were on you, and it was a really tight angle. And then you got a good one just at the very end of the half, um, you know. And then another one, Muggsy threw back out to you in the second half. But those, yeah. the, I suppose, that point, cause especially when you're saying that after the shaky start, that point mm-hmm. on the twenty fifth minute, you were starting to get your hands on a bit of ball at that stage. And that point, then probably in your head, you're like, now I'm now I'm playing well. Yeah, well, the confidence was up, and even um, the fourth point I got, yes, uh, kind of threw, threw the dummy, and, and the two boys usually were saying that one man would follow you and the other boy would, would stand stand up, stand you up more, but those two boys went the way I turned, and it definitely were a free shot. Now, luckily, the ball could have, ball could have went wide, but it was really an acute angle, but lucky enough, I went over But then the second one, just before the half, the just momentum was completely with us, yeah. and we had just we had just got the goal, and um, I think it maybe put us one or two, two, two or three points up at that stage. And my my point maybe was the last day of the half, but we it was just after the goal, and we had won the ball. The ball was played in the Sean. Sean gave it back out to me, and it's forty five yards out. You just took a, a pot shot because, as I say, your confidence is up, the momentum was with you. And then, it, 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 lucky enough, I went over the bar. And me coming in at half time, thinking, um, "Look, I've, I've, put our, I've put ourselves in, in a good position here." And I come in, Peter Cannon was standing eating ahead of me because he says he was standing in the zone free. Nobody was marking him. Right. <laughs> so, so that's that's the bollocks, and I got it half time from him because, because he was standing. I didn't pass the ball to him. And did you know he wasn't going to come out no matter what happened in the first half? He wasn't coming out in the second half. Was that decided before? Because no, you were you were losing no. you were losing midfield as well. So that there, maybe a change was needed there as well. Yeah. No. We, we never would have knew any any anything they got was happening. Mickey always would have. Mickey never. Like I mean, there was even times where. Where somebody wasn't starting, and Mickey wouldn't tell you till till maybe the the we were in the circle before we were run out in, in the resistance, and Mickey telling you that this is the change. He's not starting. Such and such isn't starting. He he wasn't great at at doing, at doing that. But maybe he wanted to hold you back. Like for us to go out in a match or come out at half time and no one having time to think about Peter not being there, you know, it, it, it maybe in your mindset it, it wouldn't be good for the mindset. Even I mean the 2003 All Ireland final before it, when we knew Peter was struggling because we had seen him and we had seen how he was struggling as training the whole week leading up to it. And rightly so, Mickey wanted to protect us from, from maybe thinking that Peter wasn't playing and he wanted to play him that day. But if if we were coming to play that, that the final that day and Mickey was to tell us that Peter Cannon wasn't playing, psychologically in our heads, yeah, it, it would play. Especially we were so young at that time. And Peter would be first to say it that he didn't get many touches that day, but he still he still was making our team think. Yeah, think we'll have to mark him. But whereas you could have probably left Peter Canavan no see standing down the zone, and he would have no influence on the game. But the fact he was in the field of play was massive for us. 
Yeah, no, it definitely was. It was. A, I thought, obviously, we all knew in 2003 it was because of an ankle injury that they did it. But, like, he's after scoring a goal, one of the best goals ever scored in, in Croke Park. And he's lively in the first half. Like, I mean, he's yeah. playing maybe out in front of the two and they're, they're himself and Stephen O'Neill are alternating. One's playing, on, you know, around the D. Then you're out a little bit further from them. It wasn't like he wasn't playing well in the first half. It was a huge call for Mickey to, not to uh, let him go back out at the start of the second half. Yeah, but you, you can actually see how shrewd he was in that when things weren't going well for us, and, and no, not that they weren't going well, we were playing well, we just weren't converting our chances. And the fact that Peter Peter had come, come off, when the game was starting, maybe not not so much slip away from us, but Kerry were walking themselves back in the game. It was a perfect scenario for, for Mickey that he had took him off. Then we could see Peter come back on again, give us a lift. And what does he do? The first touch that he gets, puts it over the bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, whether that's luck or whether that's just Mickey been through, uh, it, it definitely worked for us. But the, look, these calls can work for you or they can't. Because look, even go back to the OC thing, if we hadn't been beat that day, the questions would have been asked of Mickey, why were you playing a man who was only 50% fit? But the yeah. fact that you win, it, it, it camouflages over all, all those spells. Oh, it covers everything, yeah. There's no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt. So that was your 10th game, the hardest All-Ireland ever won, which was uh, absolutely incredible. You were probably more battle-hardened than Kerry, really, as well, coming into the final. They they had hammered Cork in a semi-final. Like, Jesus Christ, that year, 2005. It, like, I mean, it's an incredible, incredible journey that you went on. Yeah, it was. And look, as I say, as I said before, even during the match, it's all about momentum. Like we just felt invincible at, at that time, and I think the fact that maybe Kerry was sitting back, we had played ten games, whereas Kerry was sitting back and they were playing playing training matches or whatever. Like it, nothing, nothing compares to to match day. So like we knew ourselves, our our you know, our weekly uh, routine was to play the match. And then we always would have stopped in the character on the way home, get a recovery session done in the pool, even leading up to maybe Tuesday night, it was all recovery. And then it was training. And then the Thursday night, you were back meeting again. And it was really just going through a, through a run through of the game. And there was no real hard training sessions. And yeah. you just loved that there. <laughs> Same football. You loved to train every week. And maybe the fact that Kerry was sitting back and, and they hadn't, they hadn't played as many matches. Maybe they didn't even know their their best team at that time, because I mean, was it even was it Darren Sullivan maybe come on that that day and yeah. caused us a bit a ball at that time? You know, if he had to get a run because he was young. If he had to get a run of games early on, more games to prove himself. He maybe could, he maybe could have started. So yes, maybe they didn't have their their best team on. I thought it was Gat. Poor Chris Lawn caught a great ball when he came on, um, and he was doing grand. Uh, you know, at the age he would have been at, and then all of a sudden he found yeah. himself and Darren <laughs> done running around after Darren O'Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> I know it wasn't easy. Like, but, like he, he Darren Sullivan, come on, he causes major problems over in the far the far side. Like, but yeah. as I say, we, we we probably should have been more ahead. Looking back on the game now, we probably should have been more more ahead than we were that day. But it was. It's probably a credit to to Kerry that they're able to stay stay in the game. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you like, were you were on. Sorry, go on. No, no. Like, even the fact that I don't know whether I used him much. Like, but Kieran Donahue was there at that time, but he wasn't used as as much. Uh, I know. I don't think he maybe used at all. No five, which maybe could have caused no. us 
problems that day, like, but... But Kerry, geez, I don't know, Brian, like, I mean, you seem to have a much better style. You were very comfortable running the ball through your hands with support play and then you'd get it up as far as you and then a nice ball would go in. Whereas Kerry were, I was surprised at how Kerry were kind of just lumping it into Okaneda and Gooch, almost hoping rather than actually working it through the half forward line. Yeah, well, well look, we, we know that they're good players, but sometimes that time maybe Kerry were just relying on their on their talent alone to, to maybe get get them over the line and, and maybe did work in uh in, in previous years like you, you we talk about talk about two thousand and four where we talk about maybe they want a handy enough handy enough all earn where just the, it was talent alone was was getting them over the line but uh the one thing that we that we prided ourselves on was hard work and tackling and yeah and yes they come across at no three but maybe winning an O four the salt that, that they're back where they should be and they weren't really prepared prepared for us in 05 you definitely could see a change in them in 08 yes we we uh, we, we overcome them in 08 but you know there was a lot of luck involved not too you take Carson McConnell's save uh, in the final that time you know the carry we, we have no doubt the carry had better players than us in 08 but it just was the, our, our collective unit was much greater than theirs whenever it come to Come to the championship game, and I think that after that, you know, Cherry maybe realised that they had a change the game of it, and, yeah. and and they probably probably did. Probably I think did, I think you you changed Gaelic games in general. I think it probably in all three with the work rate of your forwards. If it hadn't really been seen at that level of intensity before, and even Kilkenny and Hurling copied it, and Brian Cody's on record for saying that. And even, it was noticeable even in 05, while Kerry were trying to work hard, they just weren't, they weren't getting too, when you got a hand on, there was two, two lads straight away to help you out, where, you know, Kerry weren't really doing that. Yeah, they weren't, and, but the thing about it is, you know, in 03, and even 05, and even except of 03, Yes, there's a lot of our players around. There was a lot of our players around that that we clip, but maybe around three or four cherry players. But the one thing about it is, if there's a lot of our players around, that then three or four players, there had to be all cherry players who are free on out the field. Yeah. So like, well, it's risky. Yeah, and, it's uh, risky. Yeah. It's risky because they had a they had a got the, got the ball out at all. Like we were expo- completely exposed at the back. But when you had the likes of, of Kevin Hughes and Brian Duher and Andy McGinley who worked so, so hard around the middle, it leaves it much easier for our defence uh, to get to on get top of their opponents. Like uh, me and Owen Mulligan will have no, no problems in saying we weren't, uh, we weren't really hard-working hard, hard forwards, but because we had too many men around us who, who were doing active, active work, maybe double the work to cover us, then it made made it easier easier for us. Like, but as I say, like playing the days game where you can happen move up and down the field. I don't know how it suit the likes of me and old, me or old Mulligan. Like, but <laughs> well, probably probably um, not. Come here, I don't want to start, finish on a bad note, but you got no All Star that year. Then Canavan Robbie on your All Star after a couple <laughs> after just a couple of games. <laughs> oh, I always give him a jab at that there. But look, I, I think uh, when when I was in Australia, when I was in Australia at the start of the year. Uh, the one thing I wanted to come home for was an all iron all iron medal, and uh, the fact that it got it, and I didn't, I didn't come home for an all star. Yeah, so don't, don't get me wrong. I think it, if I hadn't got an all star in OC, it probably would have made it more hurtful yeah. than one no five. But the fact I do, I do believe the fact that I, I, I went straight back to Australia after the 
after the All Ireland final, I'm back to finish off in the year for 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 four or five months. And the fact that I maybe was maybe wasn't at the All Star banquet and knew I wasn't I wasn't gonna be there, it maybe made it a bit easier for him to to not give it to me. But I guess look, I think I think if I hadn't got one two three, I probably would have been a bit a bit, a bit, a bit more angry. But you know. At the end of the day, we got it all learned. One that the thing has come back for. Yeah, so. that's the most important thing. What I don't do mind giving. I don't mind. I don't mind giving to Peter. <laughs> <laughs> what does Cat? What does Peter say when you're when you when you're digging at him about that? No, I just laugh. He just laughs. Like I think <laughs> he did tell me. He, he did tell me when he got it that he was uh, he was a bit embarrassed getting in my position. Like, but uh, it seemed it seemed a bit strange now that he never played the position. And he got it, but I think he look. He's a great player to play with. There's no, there's no animosity with me. And no, no. Joe Bradley always brings it up to me. He says, I want to give you one and match and all that final. And I, I pleaded for for him to give it and didn't give it. Who and, got it? Uh, Owen Mulligan got it that day. Muggsy got it right. Okay, he's down in my list Muggsy here anyway. So that's uh, that's yeah. not uh, that's not too bad. He played well. So he played very well. No, Muggsy played very well. Muggsy came alive in the Dublin game. So that was that. That's well documented as well. Brian, I won't take mm-hmm. any more um, of your time. Thanks very much for taking the call. All right, no problem. Thanks, boys, for chatting. All right, great stuff from Brian there. Up next, we'll have a look at the match. He goes, if you boys are doing God's work, you can do whatever you want in the field. My kind of, for me, that was a that was a free pass. <laughs> So, so when you say Mickey takes it to another level, what will he be doing this week? Oh. An extra tag of the rosary. You know, Tyrone are queer hawks in the final, and a hawk is a queer bird. So Tyrone one sixteen, Kerry two ten. Um, like just summing it up, like I was kind of talking to Brian in, there in part one. Kerry the better team for fifteen minutes. Tyrone the better team for the rest of the game, pretty much. Um, you'd say, in fairness, Kerry started well, and sometimes you think, how did Kerry go out of it, and how did Tyrone seem to get scores easier and work the ball up? It's like. Tyrone were just way more comfortable running it through the hands and probably got up the field easier than Kerry running it through the hands. When Kerry tries to run it through the hands, they got bottled up a lot of the time. A lot of the time they panicked and kicked it in long from way too far back. Tyrone didn't do that at all. Tyrone were happy to run it through the hands, support play, get it to the half-forward line to McGuigan or whoever and then give a nice little ball in to the three lads inside, you know, who, who were all alternating. They just Tyrone had a, a much kind of better sense of what their system was I think yeah and there was a lot of I think casualness in Kerry yeah like they either had stopped and they were getting nailed or they'd stopped and they were kicking it too early like too early and too long and way too early and too long For, to, into two fellas Gooch and Dara Kaneda who weren't going to win the, like no. Gooch is good in the air but he's good with a nice floating ball he's not or a diagonal ball like, these were coming straight down his throat raining down and top raining of him, down like, and like, you look at his three scores that he got from, from play like the first one was Sullivan played it down the line and it was an unbelievable point just like on the wing, he just yeah. covers it over. He can do that if you give him the ball. And then I think uh, Galvin played him a long one, and they sort of let 
McMenamin going for it and he got it in behind. There's a bit of an, an element of luck there. Galvin was. was just kind of getting it in there. Galvin gave him a great ball for his first point of the second half where oh, he gave him a little, di- a little diagonal one like that. That's what. That's the type of ball yeah. Gooch wanted. He didn't get it all day. So I don't, I don't understand why he wasn't more annoyed. Like He, he was giving out to Darroshea at one stage because Darroshea hit it too long over the end line. But every single ball that was going in, why were they not just bouncing in front of him? And, yeah. and then them Because they were going from too far back and Conor Gormley was, was covering, so they were probably trying to get it over the, yeah. the co- cover player too. Whereas what, what Kerry were doing well at the start of the game, in the first 15 minutes, is they were working it through Owen Brosnan, who was breaking out around the half-forward line, and Declan O'Sullivan, and they were getting on ball through their half-forward line. Do you get me? Yeah. Then they just started completely avoiding the half-forward line and it has to go straight from then from midfield into the two yeah. into the two lads and then it's just easily broken down Conor Gormley's getting it or it's just a backs ball, you know, to begin with. So, uh, you know, Kerry just didn't, they didn't have any presence on the half-forward line and maybe they were just getting sucked into the Tyrone game of, you know, trying to work too hard and their half-forward line working too hard. Kerry needed a half-forward line to go through. On the other hand, you see Tyrone's half-forward line working hard, but they didn't desperately kick it long. They worked it through the extra men they had back and through the hands, support playing out or out, you know, past midfield. And, you know, McGuigan might have held his position and he's getting on it now. It's yeah. going in nice. They just had a much better way of playing yeah. Tyrone. Phases of play and, and now it's time to kick the ball into your full forwards. And like that's actually a good point with the, the sweepers. And I think that probably was in Kerry's heads that they were spooked with Tyrone's numbers. So they were trying to get it in behind and even it had to be a tactic because it was a, there were a lot of long oh, hopeful so balls which that's that's just silly football really it was too many like and even Cooper was in behind so how many times did you see McManaman just coming out and catching the ball in his chest because the ball's coming from Tomas O'Shea or Kirby or Darrow O'Shea and they're just like launching them from way down and Cooper's in behind at that stage so he doesn't have a chance to run out in front or anything. Yeah. so yeah, it made it very easy either way. If a ball was coming in high or if it was dropping short, the Tyrone boys were in front. That's the thing. And like, I mean, Moynihan was playing the same similar role to Gormley on the other side, mm. but he was being completely bypassed. Yeah. Do you know? Because Tyrone weren't kicking it from far enough back. He he wasn't, they were kicking no hopeful balls that he was just going to turn around and get a break from like Gormley was. Moynihan actually had a terrible first half. He started off on Dewar and Dewar was causing him all sorts of problems because he wasn't following him and I think he just have to follow Dewar. But you see, Dewar is smart. Dewar was running back and picking up Declan O'Sullivan, allowing Conor Gormley. Now, O'Sullivan did start well, but allowing Conor Gormley to, you know, drop back without any worry about who he has to mark. Whereas you didn't really see that with Dewar. Um, Moynihan fouled Dewar twice. He got a yellow card for the second foul, which was a, a big enough foul. And then Mark O'Shea was put on Dewar. Yeah. They, had to, they had to change the man. And, and then Moynihan was caught for over carrying. You know, he was indecisive and he's their spiritual leader. And he, you know, he just was at sixes and sevens really in the first yeah. half. The over carrying, I actually thought, was he trying to address these awful balls that were going in so he was looking up seeing the same options and thinking right I'm not kicking it but then suddenly as soon as you're indecisive against Tyrone you're hammered like the oh, yeah. boys are around you yeah. and I don't know how many times that that happened to carry boys but they didn't learn from it you see this was probably a lot of these tactics none of that looks new now obviously we're in 2020 yeah. but in 2005 this was new that level of work rate and that swarming the middle of the field and getting hands in and not having a second to breed, you know, because usually a half back would have a bit of time to solo and hop and, <laughs> yeah. you know, pick out a nice pass and forwards just didn't work that hard. And Tyrone just brought this to a whole new level. Like I've played against them at that time of the, at that, you know, time. Mm. Just no, 
you do things you don't want to do because you just know that you can't hold on to that ball for, for that long. Yeah. So you're actually forcing a pass that in your head you're like, that's not really on, but what do I want? To get it in and hope that he wins it in there or for me to get bottled up. They force you into, into doing things. What, were you full forward against him? Or half half wing forward, yeah. Right. Wing forward. Even worse, so you're following Philip oh, Jordan. Level, level of, now, Philip Jordan man-marked me that day, in fairness. He didn't go forward that much. Right. He just stayed on me. But it's, that, it's just that level of intensity from them where you're just in a gate, you're in a... It's, it's tough yeah. going, you know? It's you can't switch off. You can't really switch off at all. You can't get anything... There's nothing handy. Yeah, did you see the half-time interviews with the selectors? Yeah. So Jero Keefe was saying that uh, Tyrone always hits you when you least expect it. And this is the boy and he's going into the Kerry dressing room now and he's yeah. like, Tyrone, have Kerry figured out? Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I, wrote, I wrote down what he said at half-time. He says, Tyrone are playing exceptionally well, or extremely well. They have Kerry figured out. They're stopping us from getting, um, getting the ball in fast. They're attacking us around the middle of the field and the half back and they're pressuring us into there actually excellent analysis yeah. from Jer because it was good. it pretty much tallied with all the notes I had put down there beforehand <laughs> yeah. and like I mean it was a very honest interview from him it was great stuff um, from a selector at half time um, to, to be able to sum it up like that but that was very obvious from anybody playing yeah. that Kerry were playing hopeful balls in and Tyrone played a much better structured game Yeah it was Jared McAleer for Tyrone he, uh, he towed the line a bit more he just sort of said oh look you know, we have to keep working hard and he did what a, you'd ex- expect a selector to do whereas Jared O'Keefe just came out and yeah. gave it gave an anal- he basically music, did an analysis that a, a pundit at half time yeah. would be given but there were some great matchups so um, Kerry went with Aidan O'Mahony in the full back line on Stephen O'Neill obviously the strength and uh, the kind of you know physical makeup there Thomas Sullivan was on Canavan which made sense he was their go-to man marker and Mike McCarthy was on Muggsy so we'd love to send an SOS and find out where Mike McCarthy was for that <laughs> for that high ball or how that kind of switch came <laughs> came apart on the other side then Moynihan started on Dewar um, Mark O'Shea started on McGuigan but Mark O'Shea then went on Dewar when he started uh, affecting the game Ryan McManaman was on Gooch and Conor Gormley was on Declan Sullivan now that was one thing you'd be you know wondering about Gormley on Declan Sullivan and not following him but then when you saw it off camera a couple of times of Dewar getting back on a Sullivan that was obviously the plan right so Conor I want you covering the full back line someone's or Dewar you have to pick up Declan O'Sullivan and sure Dewar was more than happy to do that kind of do that kind of work Yeah and I think actually it started looked very perilous like uh, Gormley on Declan O'Sullivan because O'Sullivan got in a lot of ball he made things happen yeah. but I think that's because he was deeper or sorry he was further up in, in the forward line so Gormley had a choice do I pick him up or do I drop off whereas O'Sullivan then when Tyrone started getting their, their groove and getting bodies back and hitting them he started going deeper for balls and he was less of a threat and then it let Gormley just sit in front and yeah. even if O'Sullivan got the ball then Gormley was still there in front of him I think I was looking at Peter Canavan was 34 in that final Seamus Minahan was two years younger at 32 <laughs> yeah he was 32 Mike Hassett was at thir- was, was at or Liam Hassett mm-hmm. was at was 30 and Dara Canada 29 Hassett and Canada looked older than they were because yeah. I actually was surprised I, I was thinking like they're, they're, Kerry's experienced players other than Darrell O'Shea who played very well throughout the whole game um, we'll talk about that in performance of the weekend um, Minahan Hassett and Darrell Canada probably didn't perform on the day at all No well, Canada took his goal well but outside that, that was it I don't he didn't really feel remember. the weight of the ball really no, he like, took a free I think and that was that was the height of it like I don't really remember anything else outside of it and in a two man full forward line you can't really have that they weren't helped with the ball going in but 
yeah, they probably need him. Where I didn't realize he's only 29 at that stage. It's only 29, 30 at that stage, yeah. And like, I mean, Liam Hassett was trying to follow Philip Jordan the whole time and like he had to be called ashore because Jordan really started influencing the game. I thought in the second half more than anything else. Kept, um, Sean Cavani, you wouldn't think he was playing in the yeah. first half. Completely anonymous, but came into it well then in the second half. Kind of started hanging out under the Cusick stand. You know, and trying to cut in field, yeah. he had a few shots. I don't think he, I don't think he scored, but he, one came off the post. But he, he started getting into the game a little bit more. But he wasn't in it at all in the first half. No, he, he came in did so much that I assumed that he might have been given a rollicking at half time because, as you said, he he was anonymous in the first half, and Sean Cavanagh at that stage was like the midfielder and. Yeah, it was strange that he wasn't dominating. I know he's marking Daroche. Maybe he's preoccupied with that, but I think maybe somebody gave him a word that, like, we need you going the other direction and influencing the game. Yeah, it was a weird one that Tyrone went down the middle with all their kickouts. Bizarre, considering that they didn't have a midfield that could compete with Kerry at all. Kerry won most of the kickouts. Like, I didn't, wasn't, didn't have time to do stats on it now, <laughs> but they dominated from kickouts, which is an incredible thing considering they won so much possession, but they kicked so much just away. kicked it away. Just kicked it it's away. unbelievable. Like, when you're watching it, knowing what we know now about not giving away possession too much, you'd just be like, Christ almighty, what, what are these tactics? So this is, like, Tomas O'Shea was my favourite player growing up, right? And, if, like, I remember watching that, I don't remember thinking, geez, Tomas O'Shea's having a bad game. But watching it now, it's like, he was having such a bad game, like, that he would be brought off because he just kept kicking it away. But that was obviously the tactic, so... Back then, he probably wasn't having a bad game, but he just kept getting the ball. Well, no, Tomas wasn't having a good game. Mallon took him for two early points. He was, wasn't yeah. marking him, and then he kicked a good bit of ball away. He kicked loads away. Yeah. He got the goal, like, you know, and that was an amazing run as well before the goal started. Like, you know, when he played a 1 2, yeah, but there was an element to look about the goal, how it came back to him. Like, yeah. I mean, there was two efforts. There was an effort that Mike Frank Russell went for a pint. Brosnan went for a goal and then it just finished up with O'Shea who just like he just lashed at it you know yeah. but but what are those kicks nowadays it would be like can cause for people to be getting on to you for two minutes oh, and yeah. then at half time what are you doing you just kicked it out. and maybe that's a bad thing too that the game's gotten to that level but yeah Tomas like you just a couple times like or sorry five or six times just launched the ball away it's all um, it's all relative, I suppose. Back then, yeah. that wasn't seen. What Tyrone were doing, what Tyrone really were doing, was changing the game and using the ball an awful lot better and not kicking the ball away. Like they they played keep ball a little bit um, towards the end of the game, like the Philip Jordan point. Yeah, and there was another point just before it where they're just playing the ball across the field, waiting for that opening. It looked a little bit similar to what we're seeing now, didn't it? Like yeah. Tyrone, that Tyrone team was ahead of its time. Yeah, it was interesting you're saying about them going down the, the middle. Pa- Pascal McConnell was giving himself 10 extra yards for the kickouts. Did you see? I put one up on Twitter there. Yeah. After the Canada goal, he was at the edge of the D taking the kickout, had the cone set up, put the ball on top of it and and just lumped it away and the how ref obviously get- didn't notice. I don't know how he was getting away with that. Stephen O'Neill uh, scored two beautiful points in the second half. One was after two one-twos I think with Sean Kavanagh and it was a great score and then a lovely dummy solo off the right and a point off the left uh, you know when you're able to get points like that then the Canavan point was an absolutely exceptional mm. score you know they, they, they just had some of those exceptional forwards Muggsy scored a nice point over, his, over his head lovely. McGuigan's points were unbelievable yeah. like I was talking to him about them the, the point in the in his very first point was from an impossible angle. He dropped the shoulder and yeah. yeah, went back the other way. But even his his third point where Muggsy threw it back out to him, that was at a very important par- part of the game. Darrow Shea incidentally had a very easy chance for him to put it level. 
And that was a huge change. That was deflating for Kerry because they didn't deserve to be level mm. at that stage and they would have been. And then I think it was Canavan then got that exceptional point after 58 minutes to put them two up. Yeah, so they would have had the goal. Their big player would have got the point. They would have been level out of nowhere. And they're, like, they're back in it. Like, and yeah. There's so many moments like that. Like I still, this, is, this sounds pathetic that I remember this, but Derry playing Tyrone in 2003. So Tyrone won the All-Ireland. They, they drew the first game, but Derry were four up. Fergal Doherty went straight through and blasted it wide. And we still think of that as the moment that Derry drew that game. You know, if they had a score, they would have pushed on. And this was very similar. Dara O'Shea coming down, put it over, and Kerry are going to push on. Well, that was it. Because Tyrone had gone five ahead, 112 to 17. Yeah. And like they looked, Kerry just looked dead and buried. And the goal was a lifeline that for, they just didn't deserve. Like Tyrone were by far the better team and they weren't and the Kerry tactics weren't helping them no like if we're being honest they were not helping them um, are you surprised they didn't like change anything like they didn't they didn't try to change the way they were playing no. like not once they didn't. like Donahue wasn't there at that stage it was Gooch and Darrow Canada <laughs> like <laughs> whatever about Gooch who can catch in the air Darrow Canada can't win those balls yeah so I don't know what I don't know what they were thinking I don't know how Ger O'Keefe could sum that game up at half time the way he yeah. did and then go out in the ha- second half now to be fair Paul Galvin gave a lovely little ball to Gooch for a point then for Owen Brosnan was fouled Darrow Shea gave a lovely little ball to Gooch who <laughs> offloaded it to who offloaded to Brosnan yeah. and he was fouled why, why were they consistently given was th- this was a game plan that went completely wrong yeah, and what, well, what's the common theme of all those good passes of play it's a lovely little ball to Gooch yeah. <laughs> you know who's terrorising Tyrone and you can't mark it when you give him a good ball yeah. he's the best player in Ireland you give him a good ball what do you do and yeah like it, but it was chronic as well so not only were they hitting it from too long but it got to the stage then where they might have been 45 yards out and they could have pushed on in and he just lumped it in the player just stopped like it was a training drill yeah. and just kicked it in there was one stage might have been Tomas again who just kicked it diagonally was it diagonal that was, it wasn't the worst ball that it went over the end line no I mean the one that landed around 35 yards out on oh, top right. of somebody's head and I was like what What was that even planning like you know there was not like, at least the other ones were dropping into the days of the square this one was just 45 yards yeah. out it's yeah. just like they'd given up and just kicked the ball yeah and that, like uh, Jack O'Connor wasn't interviewed it was actually Ger O'Keefe was interviewed after the game as well so like I mean unless Jack O'Connor got the tactics completely wrong something we'll have to find out from from the Kerry side but like I mean there's no doubt that like when I, I was actually out of the country for that game I remember watching it then again when I got home but it's been so long since I'd watched it like I remember thinking you know that those two teams at that time were at their you know at their very peak like yeah. they were, I loved that Kerry team but I loved that Tyrone team as well like not loved them as in the the way I would love teams now because I was actually playing against them but yeah. I, knew they, I knew they were both brilliant I knew they were as good as good as what was out there and Armagh too um, I suppose for Tyrone to have beaten Dublin Armagh and then Kerry and that's after drawing um, drawing in the Ulster final as well and semi-final and, and, and losing to Armagh and drawn in the semi-final who did it draw with Cavan was Cavan, it? Cavan yeah like I mean that's it's just unbelievable 10 games to win that All-Ireland uh, the year after uh, Cormac McAnallen died like I mean incredible stuff yeah and they do it against that Kerry team sorry when you watched it back what did you think did you 
did you think that Kerry had missed the boot? Or? No, well, I don't remember at the time. I kind of, I remember thinking maybe Ter- or, or Tyrone were a bit or defensive or something. I don't know, in my head. Yeah. I, think the, I think the narrative back then and it's what Mickey Hart said after the game, some people think the football, at that time we probably hadn't seen teams swarm midfield and, and, and have a lot of bodies in there, you know, and it was forcing maybe Kerry into kicking it because they were under pressure. Yeah. Maybe we hadn't seen that before. And I, I'm looking at that now thinking that Tyrone just had the best balance between a lovely attacking, running, kicking game. And for me, that was beautiful to watch. But I think back then, I might have been thinking, geez, they're taking it a bit too far now. But it's all relative, yeah. you see. No. We've come from 2011 onwards, where we just think that's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, at true. the time, I can probably understand the... the yeah. The, the narrative around it a bit more Whereas if you told somebody in 2005 that in 15 years time this is going to be a breath of fresh air <laughs> I think you're nuts but you're, you're right and I think maybe a lot of it as well like is some of the flashpoints where you know you saw Cooper going down and McMenamin walking away and I remember at the time like it's just there was a rabid Derry fan back then and like you know used to hate that their own team even though now I look back and be like Jesus what what, what a great bunch of fellas and a lovely team like but um yeah it just looked Hateful, like you know, Cooper coming in, or sorry, Duhur coming in late, and people, and it looked like he was leaving a stud in there as well. And even Brian McGuigan coming running in, then getting a belt and and going down, yeah. Going down. They were fond of going down. Joe Mac, although Joe McMahon went down holding his face, but I think his actual ankle was stepped on, and Duhur's ankle was stepped on accidentally by Seamus Minehan in the first half as well. So, like, I mean, I do. Sometimes they went down holding their faces, but it might have actually been. Hurt somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, no. There's no doubt they were they were an absolutely unbelievable team. The I liked the I liked the the way Canavan started the game and he was floating around the half forward line. Mm. Then when it settled down a little bit, it was very obvious that Muggsy and Stephen O'Neill were the furthest in, and then Canavan was out in front of them. And then Canavan switched with O'Neill, and it was Muggsy and Canavan, which it was in 03 yep. for the year. And then O'Neill was out in front of, in front of them, and I've seen O'Neill playing better. He scored an unbelievable free off the outside of his left foot in the in the first half, and then got the the two from playing the second half. Um, but that worked really well. Like I mean, that full forward line, you know. And it was only Canavan and O'Neill. Mulligan was always inside, obviously, because he he's not going to yeah. be buzzing around in front. But like I mean, I don't know when you have that kind of a, a lineup, and then. You know, McGuigan trying to hold the 40 and, and Mallon and Dewar going back helping out with the midfielders. For me, just perfection. Yeah. <laughs> and, and good ball players, those two as well. Like, you know, McGuigan, I'm actually surprised when I watched the back, the amount of work that McGuigan went through as well. In my head, he was always just a classy centre forward, like one of the best ever. But the amount of dog work he did was incredible. And like that. That front six is just, it is, you said, perfection. Like, will you get a better blend than that? Well, Dublin probably would every four years, <laughs> but I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about It's it. interesting. We know, obviously, now, like, I mean, every All-Ireland winner, you think they're going to win the next one. And it was Kerry that ended up winning the next two. Mm. And a lot of those Tyrone players um, finished up. Well, Holmes would have finished up. Chris Lawn, who came up, finished up. Canavan finished up. Stephen O'Neill finished up and then ended up coming <laughs> back for the final in 08. Brian McGuigan, he just suffered a horrific leg, leg break the year after. Then a horrible eye injury. And by the time 08 came, um, he didn't actually start the final in 08. Um, he didn't start the final in 08 at all. I think Penrose started ahead mm. of him. So there was, you know, it's... It, 
it's a weird one the way that works out. Stephen O'Neill got drafted back in as well. He got drafted 08. back in, yeah, for the final. Muggsy didn't start in 08. He was he was gone for that stage as well. Like three all, years later. Three years, only three years later after Kerry winning the next two and then they stopped Kerry again in 08, which is just unbelievable. Mm. Um, but right, we'll come back with performance of the weekend. He was a fantastic analyst, and I mean, I really heed what he would say in your program. I think, I think Tyrone going to win. I'm going to go with them. I, as much as I, I predicted Dublin to win the All Ireland at the start of the year, I just think Tyrone are going too well. They're unaffected by the other team, too well set up. I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years. They're ready for them. I'm, I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Okay, so performance of the weekend. Um, first one on the list is Brian McGuigan. Um, we've covered most of this with with uh, McGuigan. It's actually funny enough when you when you when you hear Brian talking in the interview, and his memory is sketchy enough. The pint he got just before halftime was at the top of the D, and he said it was forty five meters yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I mean, the only reason I wasn't going to pull him up, but I just watched this this morning. Yeah. He's got lovely memories, you know, of, of being maybe a little bit further out, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a lovely point off the top of that top of the D and the first point and the third point. And just when you when you watch the game and you see how much ball he was on, mm. he was on an incredible amount of ball. And like he said, after the suspect start he had where he was dispossessed early when he was through on goals and then kicked a wide which he should have squared across yeah like you'd be under pressure there wouldn't you you know after in an all-earned final there's two big mistakes early and then he takes on that shot off that acute angle yeah there's big risk there now you've missed that there and you're you're starting to watch the sideline <laughs> maybe not Brian McGuigan but that's it like it was an interesting after he uh, after he missed the goal chance didn't seem to care like it was just like he's going to get another chance or he didn't didn't think about it and remember you had Johnny Cooper on and he was talking about keeping your comms right you know your body language and stuff like that but I don't think Brian McGuigan was thinking that way I think he was just thinking I'm going to get another ball in a minute's time and I'll do something with that and yeah. like that, that is fascinating like you know that would be eating at me he's talking about scoring an amazing point then later on I'd be thinking about that miss I, you know? I always found it very hard to 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 shake off a miss mm. like and they say the, the psychology behind it is that you're not supposed to show that you're annoyed and I'd be like Wally you idiot I'd be so fuming with myself you know and like I don't think there's anything wrong with that because all the personalities are different like I mean I, if I get frustrated with myself, that's just always the way I've ever done it. You know, I think for me to not do that would cu- probably yeah. knock me off a little bit more than, you know. Do you know, the only thing I'd say about that is like when it's a bad player, not you, when it's a bad player who's saying, oh, for God's sake, Conan, it's like, oh, come on, you're not that good. Like you normally miss uh, anyway. Right, like, right. you know, so I think some boys are doing it to try and show that like, normally I'd score that, but, you know, but if you're all right, you can do it. <laughs> right, right. Okay. I, t- I take your point. Oh, Mulligan. Oh, Brian McGuigan was telling I, I how did Brian McGuigan not get man of the match um, in that and giving away my performance of the weekend <laughs> can it be performance of the weekend from 15 years ago performance of the 15 years ago <laughs> um, Owen Mulligan apparently according to Brian got man of the match um, that night actually mm. it was difficult to pick a man of the match well Brian McGuigan for me was the standout probably Mulligan was up there would have been in your in your top in your top three he scored uh, two two from play and three yeah. and three frees and some difficult frees in fairness to Muggsy and got an early score which was 
important as well and set up the goal which was a massive play in the whole game as well and you know was out around the field getting through a little bit of work too yeah I suppose it was just he had that iconic moment like where it felt like he was in the sky for ages and perfect hands and and what he did really well when he came down was that he just he waited, he took the tackle, he pushed in a little bit and then he popped it off at the, the perfect time. Yeah. So, um, he didn't give it to him too early, no. Yeah, so I suppose that, that night, that was probably still in people's minds, like that, that sight of Canavan, like, give me, give me, give me, like, you know, and Mulligan just waiting for him to get into position, so... Yeah, I can see. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge him the the award. No, definitely. Not. Ryan Mellon, then uh, Ryan Mallon. I keep calling him Mellon. Ryan, Ryan Mellon. No, you're right with Mellon. You'd said Mallon earlier. Right, Ryan Mellon. <laughs> um, he had a brilliant start to the game. Scored two brilliant points, which was important. And that was at a time where Kerry were looking like they were flying it. So, like, they were really important. And then he got a brilliant uh, fetch in the second half, which which was really important as well. And was just just all over the all over the field and in the game really well. Yeah, and all this trying to sort of keep an eye on Tomas Shea's raids as well down the wing. So, yeah, um, he was like. I don't know. I don't, I don't like calling players underrated, especially when they're on one of the greatest teams of all time. But because of the forward line, he doesn't get mentioned as often. You'll never start a podcast with Ryan Mellon. No, it, but he was a real fine bit of stuff. Like you know, quality player and, and work like a a real dog. Yeah, Doer obviously is a machine. There's no doubt about that. An absolutely incredible score that he got, and I was I was always amazed by Doer, um, thinking. Because I was moved to wing forward in around that time and I was always thinking, how is he always free all over the field? How is he on so much ball? How can I get like that? And then I kind of figured out, watched him someday and I've often gone to Croke Park when I'm trying to figure out maybe a new position and I'll just do player cam on him. And then I was realised he's he's free all the time because he works like a dog. That's why he's free, because he runs back at Mark Declan O'Sullivan and tackles him and doubles up on players and just does so much work that his man can hardly... Be, ta- be tackling him while he's tackling somebody yeah, else yeah. so he's he's constantly free and constantly popping up everywhere because of the savage work he does and then I said to myself do I really want to do all that savage work and I think like, nah, <laughs> probably not so now I need to figure out another way of I need to figure out another wing forward to fo- to, to watch <laughs> yeah. and try and uh, emulate or try and take parts of their game but anyways I, I did I looked at I looked at the Brian Doerr model yeah. And it wasn't for me, even though. <laughs> like I mean, the engine he had was just—it's just phenomenal, and that wasn't his best all the final at all. In a way, he was even better. Mm, like it is like there's elements of superhuman in him, like because you're right, he does all that work back. He tackles, he tackles, he, he runs after somebody else, and then when they turn it over, like, like I know myself, like you're sort of looking for a break then, like let the wing fo- let the wing backs get back up the pitch, but then he's the one carrying it back up or going to support and. Never, never seemed to tire, and he's one of those boys, and, and I don't know if it's true or not, but who were said to have finished the bleak test, you know, every so often you hear... Oh, well, I'd, be, I'd believe it with him, yeah. Like, yeah, because he just had the same pace all the time, and, like, it didn't matter how much work he was doing, he was just going back up the pitch again and had energy to... Many times do you see him, like, coming down the wing and kicking it over 45 metres when he should be dead on his feet. Yeah, no, exactly. He was outstanding. Uh, like I said, Philip Jordan deserves a mention for his second-half performance. Colin Cooper um, definitely deserves a, a mention for Kerry. He got three from play. He set up the goal. He set up Brosnan for that run at the end. Mm. Any decent ball he got, he did. Like, I'd say Gooch was tearing his hair out in that. You know when you're on form... You know, give me a good ball. I'm playing well here. Yeah. Like I'm this is not a final that I'm not that things aren't going well for me. If you give me a decent ball, you know, 
I'll play well. And then you look at it as well and you say he's definitely in the mix for performance of the weekend. And then you say Ryan McManaman did brilliantly on him because Kerry fecked up Gooch Gooch, because any of those old shitty, terrible balls... Ricey's getting in a, a punch and whatever way it always fell down Ricey's on the ground winning you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean yeah. and he's bursting out with it or it's gone one way and Gooch has gone the other and Ricey's there and he's you know so you'd say Ricey had an excellent game on Gooch but yeah. you'd say Gooch had an excellent game which is unusual Gooch lived off scraps he scored he scored three points set up a goal off maybe about six six decent yeah. balls it's like it's, it's, it's not it's not really like so in the final they're past Michael Fitzsimons on Clifford and they both had class games even though they're marking each other Clifford scored four points but Fitzsimons was firefighting somewhere else whereas this time the two players had good games but it was because Kerry were just feeding Kerry were trying to use Cooper so much but somehow they underused him yeah. like because they were playing him useless balls that McManaman could just cut out and like I don't I don't think Cooper was dispossessed was he in the game no no Gooch played well off complete and utter scraps yeah. so whatever and he had he, he worked with what what made Ricey look good was the terrible terrible ball that consistently for a full game came in yeah as in we're looking at a ball landing in a two man full forward line high and two men are jumping for it it's falling down and Toronto winning the breaks yeah. and that's what Gooch and something that's a little bit frustrating about Gooch is that you never saw him giving out too much did he give out a little bit to Dara O'Shea one for one time, yeah. but like I'd be tearing my head out here I'd say that, um, then again wait um, we're talking too much this had to be a carry tactic This they had to agree as a team that this was it or else Gooch would have been losing his mind yeah like, he, like in the one time he gave out to him he was, he was just sort of standing with his hands out you know, as a keep it in play, but that, like, it was only because that ball went out of play. I don't think he cared about the other one, so it probably was a tactic. But I was trying to sort of make the David Clifford comparison, and Cooper was coming into an unbelievable team. So maybe did he feel that he had he earned his place yet to start giving out? Whereas Clifford's coming into a team who badly need him. You know, whereas he can demand a bit more. He's yeah. the captain, obviously now. But yeah, but that coach was around three, three. This was his third year. Yeah. Two, three. Four, this was his fourth year. So like, was I mean, he in he, two? Yeah, I thought he was in two. Three. He was two, sure he was destroying poor Francie Bellew in the oh, first that's half. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Take off Francie <laughs> and then Francie. it all turned around in the second half. Um, that was his debut year in, in 02. Owen Brosnan, I thought, played well. One of the better Kerry uh, performers. Darrell Shea kind of dominated the midfield area. Um, scored two unbelievably good points. The one blot on Dara, the two blots, is a couple of terrible long balls, like we just mm. mentioned. And that bloody point to draw it, the easiest, he, the, the right-footed point he scored was from a tight angle yeah. on the run, a lovely one off his left. And this one was bread and butter for him. And it should have gone over the bar and that would have put a draw match and now the Kerry crowd would have got into it and it could have put a doubt. It's always getting back level is that psychological yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I thought in general he probably he he was one of the better of Kerry players. Difficult, I suppose, trying to find um, the top players on the Kerry side of it. Um, outside of Gooch, who did everything he could, uh, you know, you'd find fault with a lot of the other Kerry players. Yeah, and like I suppose it is, it comes back to Jack O'Connor a little bit as well. Like you know, we were looking at it, and Darren O'Sullivan had come on, and Chris Long was on at this stage, and you're thinking, well, there's a mismatch, and O'Sullivan had one run, and he got fouled, and Kerry got a free, and he might have scored, but. That was it, like because they were just raining ball in on top. It didn't matter that Darren Sullivan was there in the edge of the square either. So even when it was Sullivan and Cooper, 
against Lawn and McMenamin. They didn't try to exploit that either. They yeah. just kept playing the same ball. In. Although Sullivan did ca- made a few good runs under the yeah. Cusick stand side. You know, he looked like he was going to going to uh, he could have done a bit of damage. Um, okay, performance of the weekend has to go to Brian McGuigan. Um, outrageous he didn't get man of the match at the time, and outrageous that he didn't get an All Star. That what? Peter Canavan. Oh, Peter Canavan. Peter Canavan got that all star uh, at centre half forward. His last year to give him the Outrageous. Like it's just simply outrageous that he didn't get an all star that year. And that Canavan, let's be honest, got it for two matches. No, the only thing is No, actually McGuigan came back for the Cavan match. Oh, he was back early though. Yeah, he came on he came on in the came on in the Cavan game. And yeah. They were in big trouble until he came on, I remember that. Yeah, and sure they played ten feckin' games. Yeah. Not like he wasn't around. He missed for one. Canavan <laughs> <laughs> scored one seven in the replay and I was sort of looking through like, you know, Canavan he scored the winner against Armagh, scored that goal, but but yeah, he like he was behind O'Neill Mulligan and McGuigan at that stage in terms of a scoring threat you would have imagined yeah you oh imagined. yeah that's that's harsh on McGuigan anyways well listen 15 years later you get performance at the weekend Brian so <laughs> congratulations for that right that's it we'll be back on Thursday we'll look at another All-Ireland talk to you then good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both players have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for 10 years. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.